So everyone got their sweets? Put their money in? Lovely. How's everyone doing? Good? Everyone happy? Everyone excited? Yeah? Two people? That's what I like. Okay. All right. I have got my lovely daughter Lola to assist me. I did consider getting her to actually do the preaching, but then what she's got to do, I actually can't do, so I thought it was best this way round. So I am going to read out, we are continuing our series with the Lord's Prayer, so I will start, oh, good job I've got it written down, I can't see that. Um, We are continuing our series of the Lord's Prayer, and Lola is going to help me. I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer out while Lola does a headstand. So I will read it probably quite quickly because she's my daughter and I love her and I don't want her to come to any harm. We have practiced this several times at home, Lola. Okay, don't let me down, no pressure. Uh, If you could start, I'm going to start, you can start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. What can I say? (laughs) Thank you, Lola. Very good. You can see why she did that, not me. Uh, So why have I got Lola to stand on her head while I'm reading the Lord's Prayer? Basically, because I want you to remember this at the end of the day, if you forget everything else, that the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that turns the world upside down. It's a prayer that turns everything that the world knows and understands on its head. It's a prayer that actually we teach to our kids in primary school and they recite it over and over again and I'm so glad that we can still do that. But actually it's a prayer that is deeply countercultural in its content. It's a prayer that reminds us that there is a Father in heaven and he is in charge and his way is best. It's a prayer that makes a mockery of man's wisdom. It's a prayer that focuses on God's ability and not mankind's, on how great he is, not how good we are. This is not a nice little prayer. Even though we've grown very familiar with it, it's actually the prayer of an activist. It cries out for change in our nation. May your kingdom come. It cries out actually for change in our hearts as it instructs us to forgive others as we have been forgiven. And actually in instructing us to pray it, Jesus is saying, stop scrabbling around for tiny pieces of bread. I can provide for your needs. I have become your daily bread. You can forgive, but only as you recognise that you are forgiven. You could go so far as to say this is actually more than a prayer, but it's actually a way of life. And if we could get hold of it, the content of it, and pray it regularly with all our hearts, and actually, like Lola being on her head, our lives would be turned upside down as well. I actually forgot my second slide, just more <laughs> being on your head. There they are, Lola and Ruby on their heads, just in case you'd fallen down. So... Um, I'm going to go through the prayer. I've only got the first couple of lines this morning, so I'm going to go through a very small bit at a time. So we're starting with the word, our. 
So I'm going to go through a very small bit at a time. Now, I'm to be honest, I've never even noticed that this is how the prayer started, that it was our and not kind of a more personal prayer. It was only when I came to prepare that I realised that that was happening. And actually, I think it's quite important that it is our. The word our is continued to be used throughout the prayer. And I think there are two important things with the use of this word. One is to do with who we are, and the other one is to do with how we pray. So actually, in using the word our, we are reminded that when we enter into a relationship with God, we're not just entering into a relationship with him, but we are also entering into a relationship with his family. Now, I have a confession. This is not good. I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. When I first joined um, City Hope a long, 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 long time ago, it was then Vineyard. Okay, when I first joined Vineyard, this is going to come as a surprise for some, I didn't actually find it very friendly. No, I know. Hilda was friendly. I lived with Hilda, so Hilda was friendly. Um, Hilda was very friendly, but no one else was. Um, No... I, I found it quite funny. I was, I was only 18. Maybe I didn't look that friendly either. But um, I found it quite unfriendly. So actually, that, that made me feel a little bit angry. And when it came to um, corporate times of worship, like this morning, when we sang a worship song um, that had the words us or our in it, I was, it's quite shocking, I would always change the words to I or me. Because I didn't feel really part of things. It's not good. I was just laughing, but it's not good. <laughs> and um, to be honest, this worked better with some songs than others. So actually, you know, if any of you know, this is quite a long time ago. Build your church, Lord. Make me strong, Lord. Didn't work that well. And what really didn't work was that old classic song, Bind me together, Lord. Bind me together, Lord. So obviously, sometimes I came a bit unstuck, but you get what I'm saying, okay? I was very individualistic. I was angry with everyone else, and so I was wrong in my attitude. You know, when Jesus saves us into his body, we are also saved into his family. And at times, you know, being part of that family feels like a massive blessing. Sometimes there might be times when you wish you were an only child, but actually, it's not just daddy and me. It's our Father. And actually, the individualism in society that, you know, is so prevalent can so easily creep into the church as well. And it's not good. We need to be aware of that happening. So, you know, I was thinking slash repenting of my previous attitude. I have to say, I don't do this anymore, if anyone's going to start watching me when I was singing on a Sunday. When I was repenting of my old attitude while I prepared this, I thought, actually, there might be other people here that are the same. Maybe your experience of church at times has been difficult and you've been hurt by other people here. And maybe that has begun to affect the way that you worship, and it might have begun to affect the way you pray as well. If that is you, I would say take your pain to Jesus. Take your pain to our Father. Take it to him because he won't be shocked by it. He won't be shocked by your hurt or your anger. You can take it to him and he can heal you of that pain. And he can turn your me, your I, into an hour and a we again like it should be. So that's who we are. When we enter into a relationship with God, the Father, we enter into a relationship with his family. When we say... So how, I guess, you know, we've got to really think about how that would practically affect our prayers. So when we say our Father, we remember we're part of a family. So when we pray, 
let's remember to pray for the rest of the family. <laughs> because actually sometimes we can be so selfish, can't we, in our prayers. I know I can be a lot of help me, help me. But actually we should pray for us. For the family, I can give you an example of this. Um, recently, my husband um, went away to uh, China on work. And um, at the same time, Tim Taylor, um, Ruth's husband, also went away. Actually, it sounds, it's funny they went away at the same time. They're good friends. Maybe they're just going on a bit of a holiday. <laughs> and I don't know. They were both working. They were both working away separately, actually in different countries. They weren't on holiday. And um, they went away to work. And I, I've got three kids. Ruth Taylor's got four. I knew this might be quite challenging for me. And so I would pray for myself quite a lot. Um, sorry, Paul, would you be able to get some water? Oh, oh Denise, sorry, my. Um, yeah, so I would, um, I would pray for myself quite a lot because I knew I'd need lots of things. So, so when I prayed for myself, because I knew that Ruth Taylor's husband was away as well and she had four kids, I'd also pray for her. It was a reminder. So when I prayed, God, please help me be really patient today, I'd pray, Father, please help Ruth be really patient today. When I prayed... Father, please help me to at least be kind to the children today. I pray, please, Lord, help Ruth be kind to her children. When I prayed, Father, please help me not to just shout at them all day long. I prayed, Father, help Ruth not to shout at them all day long. You get the message. I could go on and on, but it would reflect a bit badly on me, so I'm not going to. Um, so, yeah, it's important. You know, as you're praying for... If you've got a housing problem, yeah, if you, you know, in a flat that's way too tiny for you, if you're praying for yourself about that, Think of somebody else that you can pray for about that as well. He is our Father. Thank you so much, Denise. Sorry. That's good. So we should pray for each other. That's how it practically affects our prayers. Okay. Our Father. We're going to look a little bit about, for a few minutes, about who he is and how we should pray. So a bit of background. Um, When we hear our father, we're actually not overly surprised about it, are we? We've kind of heard God being referred to as father quite a lot. It's, It's not new to us. It's not unusual. It just rolls off the tongue. However, at the time that Jesus was teaching this prayer, it would have come as a massive, massive shock the way that he was referring to God. It's not that the Jewish leaders never referred to him as father, but when they did, they would refer to him as, it would be like father of the world or father of creation. Okay, so it's not the same. But actually, when Jesus uses the word father here in Aramaic, he uses the word Abba, which the translation is daddy. So this use of the word, the word daddy, would have enraged the religious leaders at the time. In calling God daddy, Jesus was introducing something that was completely foreign. He was introducing intimacy with God. And that was new in the day. And how was intimacy with God achieved? Through Jesus, his one and only son. You see, our father is so kind. He's so good. He's so merciful that the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray actually has a massive answer to prayer right at the beginning of it. It starts with answered prayer because actually the cry that is in all our hearts, the thing that we most need the most is to be able to call God Father. So the fact that we can say our Father is an answer to the cry of our hearts. How kind is God? He's teaching a prayer that there's been an answer to already. 
In 1 John 3 verse 1 it says, See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. So in terms of who we are, when Jesus says, Pray our Father who is in heaven, it's like he's saying, Come with the only status that matters. Come to the Father. You are not able to come because you're good. You're able to come because you are mine. And do you know what? As we say, our Father, a miracle that only the cross could provide takes place. A conversation that really should have been a conversation between a slave and a master because of the precious blood of Jesus becomes a conversation between a child and a father. Isn't that amazing? It's miraculous. It's God's mercy to us. And do you know what? Actually, you know, in society, status is really, really, really important, the status that we have. And sometimes in the church, we think, you know, maybe status shouldn't be important. We're all serving together. But actually, when it comes to our relationship with God, status is really, really important that we are his child and he is our father. I'm going to give you an example of why status is important here, and it's just an illustration so that we can pray boldly remembering that status. So many, many years ago, many, 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 even before I was really had a bad attitude at the vineyard, um, I lived in Hong Kong for a little bit. And while I was living in Hong Kong, I went there because there was a lady called Jackie Pullinger. Um, she's been there many, many, many years. And she basically went out there because God told her. And she was um, praying for drug addicts and tries and seeing them come off drugs and go out and become Christians. And it was amazing. And she's been there for like about 52, 53 years now. And they've got a big church and God's done miraculous things uh, with her. And... Um, so I went to join in with that, and I was really excited. I was thinking, oh, yeah, I can go, and I can lay my hands on the triads, and it'll be really exciting, and everybody will be saved, and I just can't wait. I got to Hong Kong, and what did they do? They put me on the phones. There I was, on the phones, and that was terrifying to me. I wasn't really worried about the triads. I was very worried about the phones, because I couldn't speak any Cantonese. And so I'm kind of set. Is, are there any Cantonese speakers in the house before I say any words that are wrong? <laughs> no, no, I'm looking. No, no, no. So I was on the phone. And I couldn't really, I couldn't speak any Cantonese. But all I had to do was I had to pick up the phone, and you say way. Can you do that? Way. Yeah. See, pretty good. And actually, my way was so amazing in its tones that then they just thought I could speak Cantonese. And so the person on the other end would be like, no, 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 just remember, I would understand a word they were saying. And I was supposed to put them through to other people. I like press the button and I didn't know what they were saying. It was really, really scary. Anyway. I might have gone off the point. <laughs> yeah, so I pick up the phone and go away, as I was doing one day. And um, this guy rang up. And um, now he was Chinese, but he spoke English. So I was like, yes, I've made a friend here. I'm going to be under, able to understand this conversation. So he, and he, picked, and he, said, um, he said, oh, um, I'd like to speak to Jackie, please. My heart sank. Because Jackie was very important. She's very busy. Lots of people have heard of her. She's written a book. We were not allowed to let people speak to Jackie. So I was like, well, I'm really sorry, but you can't speak to Jackie. To which he said, uh, my name is John. It's John. 
I need to speak to Jackie. Now, I don't know what happened. I think maybe because they wouldn't quite let me work with the triad yet. It's suddenly like this position of, of not letting people speak to Jackie got a bit inflated. It was like I was the defender of the Jackie. Nobody was going to get through to her. And so I'm like, well, John, I'm sorry, but you still can't speak to Jackie. To which he said, it's John Toe, her husband. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, really nice, like, oh, of course I'm putting you through. But it was really, really, really embarrassing. I'm supposed to just chuck me out. Um, but anyway, I think some of us, on a more serious note, quick, uh, feel a little bit blocked when we pray, okay? Um, like we're not quite getting through. Maybe it's sin, maybe, um, you know, we don't think we're good enough. Maybe it's much more subtle than that. Maybe we just don't think we feel enough. You know, you sometimes come to pray and just don't really feel anything. Maybe you don't think you feel happy enough. You don't feel strong enough. And so we feel a bit blocked. And actually, it's really good to say, Our Father, because it reminds us straight away that we can come. Our status is good. You know, God knows who he is. Actually, he doesn't need us to remind him that he's our father. But for us, when all these untrue and negative feelings come in, it's good for us to remind ourselves, amen? Yeah, we need to. We need to remind ourselves of who we are in him because that's why we can come. John knew who he was, John Toe, even though I didn't. He knew who he was and he knew that he had a special relationship with Jackie and he would get past this silly English girl and get to speak to her. Do we know that we will get through to God because of our special relationship with him, our undeserved relationship with the Father? We can pray with boldness because of that and because of that alone. So how should we pray? We should pray with boldness. We can come. <coughs> no more pictures. <laughs> our Father in heaven. So, for some people, um, for some of us, focusing on God being Father actually can be a little bit painful. Um, maybe because your earthly dad wasn't that great or didn't treat you very well. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he was just absent, actually, and you were ignored. But fortunately, this prayer doesn't end with our Father. It says, our Father in heaven. That our Father bit reminds us of the goodness of God. The in heaven bit reminds us that he is nothing like our earthly fathers. Even if you had a good one. He is way more powerful, way better than an earthly father could be. He is in heaven. Maybe your earthly dad never stood up for you. This heavenly father, he is powerful. Maybe your earthly dad treated you so unfairly. Do you know what this heavenly dad? It says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Maybe your earthly dad was absent. He just wasn't there when you needed him to be. 
This Heavenly Father is omnipresent. He is always with you. And do you know what? There's that awful, awful childlike contest that goes on in playgrounds around this country. You know the whole, my dad's bigger than your your dad kind of thing. Maybe that was a contest that you could never take part in. Maybe that was a contest, actually, that you could just never win. But do you know what? If you are a believer of Jesus Christ now, you can win that contest now. Amen. You can. Because you have the biggest, most powerful, most holy dad that there is. Okay, our father, our father in heaven. Thank goodness that he is. May your name be kept holy. Now you notice I've changed from the uh, version I read earlier, Hallowed be your name. I've changed it to um, the NLT, which is may your name be kept holy. Um... The reason I've done this is because when I looked into it, when I think of hallowed be your name, it feels to me like it's continued worship. But actually, in a lot of the stuff that I read around this prayer said this, this may your name be kept holy or hallowed be your name is actually the first request of the prayer. And um, so we're going to use may your name be kept holy. It is a request, like I said, for God to keep his name holy. Uh, So, a bit of history around this. The dishonouring of God's name actually was a real problem for Israel in the Old Testament. They didn't really excel in keeping God's name holy. So, God sent them into exile. But once Israel was outside the land and scattered among the nations, a new problem actually arose. Israel was identified as with God, which was great for them, but their disobedience, their idol worship, you all know the story, all that kind of stuff that they got into, um, their constant coming backwards and forth seemed to drag his name through the mud. They were not a good reflection of him at all at times. They didn't always live their lives well. They didn't always keep his name holy. Can can we recognise ourselves in any of that? I know I can. Are we consistent in our love for him and our communities? Do we always lift up his name when we're at work? Do we always, is that our first thought, keeping God's name holy? I know sometimes, if I'm honest, it's not always mine. But you know, fortunately, Israel's story and our story doesn't end there. God goes on to say this. Oh, it's quite small. If you can read it, if not, I'm going to read it out. So God goes on to say this. And actually, if you feel today, you think, actually, I'm listening to Claire, and I'm thinking, I don't keep God's name holy out in my workplace. I say things I shouldn't. I don't always act the way that I should. Take these words on board. Close your eyes if you want to, but take this on board for you. God said this for, from, through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I am bringing you back, not because you deserve it, I am doing it to protect my holy name on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show you how holy my great name is, the name which you brought shame amongst the nations, and I will reveal my holiness through you. Amazing. Before their very eyes, said the Sovereign Lord, when the, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from all nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth 
will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my regulations. It's Ezekiel 36, verse 22. God promised to bring the blessing of a new promise. The great promise that God will cause his name to be made holy through his people, through us. And he will do it by forgiving the sins and replacing a heart of stone. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came to rescue us, a people that would hold God's name in holy regard. A people like you and a people like me. When we pray, may your name be kept holy. We are praying, help us, Lord. Help us, Father, to live lives that are set apart. Help us to honour you with every part of our lives. Help us to be living sacrifices. We need God to come and help us to live a life that glorifies him. But you know what? If our prayers just stop there, it's not really enough. Because God has a much bigger picture. It's not just about us living holy lives. It's about our friends, neighbours and communities seeing who he is and joining the family as well. Our cry should be, my friends at work know I'm yours. Help me to lift up your name. Help me to keep it holy by living like it and actually essentially by loving like it. Do we really want to do this? Do we want to live lives about him and not about us? Do you know what, if, on, if I'm honest, some of the time I go to work in the morning and I really want to uh, lift up his name and honour his name and make it all about him, but sometimes, and maybe it's just me, but sometimes a lot of me creeps in, a lot of making my name look quite good, making my name be important. I think that's really, you know, easily hap- happens. I'll just give you an example of this recently. Um, I work on a, um, I have an amazing job. I work on a really big estate not too far from here. And um, the families that I work with, there's a lot going on in their lives. And um, they are amazing. They are absolutely amazing people, but they suffer. There's a lot of hard stuff without going into detail. And um, I was in a supervision meeting recently with my boss, and she is a very good boss. She's very kind, she's very caring, um, she's great at what she does. And because of that, in my supervision meeting, she said to me, um, Claire, I just want to check um, that with all the stuff you see each day and all the stuff you hear, that you're okay. I want to know how you, what you do with it, how you deal with that. <sighs> do you know, I really wanted to say something that sounded really professional and clever. I wanted to say something that sounded clever and professional not weird. <laughs> but do you know what? I just, surprise, surprise, just couldn't think of anything that sounded clever at all. So I just had to be really honest with her. And I just said, I just said, look, I get up a bit earlier than my kids. And I, I talked to God about it. And uh, I, if I'm upset, I give him my upset. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, I tell him about the people's lives. He knows about their lives. And I said, you know, all the stuff that we can't do... Uh, you know, on the team here, I basically tell him about those things and ask him to do something. It gives me hope because there's a lot we can't do and there's a lot 
he can do. And, you know, I tried really desperately to try and get a few kind of clever words like self-care and boundaries, like, in that conversation so I didn't look so nutty. But actually... I just couldn't. And half of me was loving, you know, being able to talk about Jesus in my supervision, but half of me was just a bit like, oh. Um, my boss actually took it pretty well. Um, she, uh, yeah, she was fine. She didn't sack me or anything, so that's good. Um, but, you know, I thought, why should I get the glory for coping with what I see every day? Why should I? It's not because of me. I'm not, like, strong. I'm not extra, extra compassionate. It's because of God that I can do what I do. It's him that motivates me. It's him that directs my days. It's him that gives me everything I need at work. And actually, it's him that gives me everything I need when I get home to kind of recover from what I see. It's him. We often, or I, maybe I often, want the glory for me. But actually, we want to use every single opportunity we can to give him the glory. We want to pray that God's glory is the highest aim we have, not ours. We often love our own glory. That's, I've got a quote here. I'm not going to get the glory for it because it is a quote, but I don't know who wrote it, but it wasn't me. <laughs> okay, so the aim of our prayers is not ultimately to be our immediate material physical comfort, but rather that God would be held in ever-increasing esteem by an ever-increasing multitude. I'll read that again. The aim of our prayers is not ultimately to be our immediate immediate material physical comfort, but rather that God would be held in ever-increasing esteem and be ever-increasing multitude. Our our prayer lives should be shaped (coughs) by the things that result in this aim. Excuse me. Okay. So remembering what I said about family at the beginning, how we are family and how we're so privileged to be part of this family. Make your name holy. Expresses that actually it's not okay to be content with us knowing that his name is holy, with our lovely, nice, cosy little family here. Make his name holy expresses that there is room, there's um, room at the table for many, many, many more. And that is what we need to do when we go out into our communities. That is what our aim should be, and that is what our prayers should result in. So to sum up from the verses that I was given this morning, how should we pray? How should we pray? We should pray remembering that we are family, that actually if we have entered into a relationship with God, we've also entered into a relationship with each other. We should pray for other members of the family, not just praying for ourselves all the time, but thinking about each other. We should pray the remembering that this prayer amazingly starts with answered prayer. The cry of our hearts, the need for a father. We should pray boldly, aware of our status in him. We are his children, we can come. We should pray with faith. He is our father in heaven. He is way above any earthly father. He is powerful. And we should pray that he will empower us actually to live lives that reflect something of his holiness. And really importantly, we need to pray that this family that we are so privileged to be a part of will get bigger and bigger and will grow and grow as we go out into our estates and into our communities and we just share Jesus' love with whoever uh, we have the opportunity to meet. Please stand.
think it would be good to, um, for us to pray. Oh, it's clicked off. You know the prayer. I think it would be good for us just to pray uh, the Lord's Prayer again. This life-changing prayer, this radical prayer, this prayer that is taught in primary schools and yet is so kind of subversive and countercultural in, his, in its content. We are so uh, blessed to have a father. Let's pray uh, this together. No one's standing on the head this time in this peak. Who wants to volunteer? <laughs> okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen.